let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. We're super grateful that you've decided to take some time out of your day to give our podcast a little listen. Hey, guys. It's Emily. And we're here with Kathy. Kathy Moffitt. She is a life coach, a mom of three. Three boys, right? Yep. Okay. And um, she is a life coach specifically for um, women and understanding relationships, especially relationships with themselves um, and gaining confidence and all that. So we are going to talk today a lot about confidence. Um, Kathy, hello. Is there anything else that you want to say about yourself? Anything at all? No. Well, I will add to that, that I am a grandma, which I mean, being a mom is fantastic, right? But being a grandma is even better. Everybody (laughs) says that. Okay. Why is it so much better? Do you know what? Well, my grandchild is absolutely amazing, but it just mm-hmm. is, there is so much joy in seeing your kids be a parent and mm-hmm. it's just so much fun. It, there's no stress. It's so relaxing. It's All like the, not I, your stress yeah. anymore. <laughs> well, it, it just is. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. And I think Aww. saying from my perspective as your kind of typical, I don't, I don't want to say self-absorbed boy, but as a, a boy, I didn't really come to appreciate and love my parents as much as they probably deserved until I became a parent. Mm-hmm. And then like my, as soon as I became a parent, my relationship with my parents became way more deep and significant for me at least. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, okay, I have a lot of catching up to do because I was very um, unappreciative of my, <laughs> my parents for so long. <laughs> and now that I have a kid and I see how unappreciative they are of me at times, uh, it makes me like love my parents all the mu- all them all that much more. Yeah, that's, oh, cool. that's so awesome. how you have one grandchild? One grandchild, yeah. Yeah. How old? Uh, he's one. One. So Just cute. Starting to walk. That's Just cute. really fun age. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good age. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's super fun. Awesome. Our uh, our youngest is nine months. Mm-hmm. So he's just a little bit behind that. Yeah. That's, that's super fun age. So fun. And they'll just that keep coming. Fun. And that's so exciting. I love cool. it. Okay. Well, let's dive in and talk about self-confidence. Um, tell us a little bit first about why this is so important to you and why you've kind of found a specialty in talking about this. That's a really good question. I, because I, for a long time, I thought there were either confident people or not confident people, that it was just something that we were born with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But as I've come to understand it and as I teach people, there's actually a difference between confidence and self-confidence. And as I've come to understand that and apply that in my own life, it is totally life-changing, totally life-changing. So what is the difference? Okay. So (laughs) confidence. Yeah. I'm so glad you asked me confidence. The way I define it is something that we have proof and evidence that we have done something over and over again. And so we know we can do it Mm -hmm. even small and simple things like say pouring a glass of water. We have done it over and over and over again. And so we know we can do it and we're totally confident. And then maybe if we spill or miss we don't make it mean anything about ourselves. It's not a problem. Interesting. Versus, yeah. yeah. Versus self-confidence is the ability to believe something without any evidence at all. And okay. so the fun thing about this is it is actually a skill that we can learn to develop. And we don't even, we can just decide, okay, I want to become self-confident. I am in charge of my thoughts. I can believe whatever I want and I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. And I never realized that there could be a difference either. So that's really cool. Okay. So specifically the self-confidence is the ability to believe that you can do whatever. Is that what it is? Okay. 
without having any evidence. Yeah. Without any evidence. Think about, so if you guys have, you guys have got four kids and it's Mm -hmm. the end of the year and lots of kids are like finishing third grade or whatever grade. And think about it. A third grader, when they finish school, they're like, oh, I'm going to be a fourth grader and I'm going to be so good and I can do it. They don't have any evidence. They just believe it in their mind. They're Uh great. Mm -hmm. And somehow as we grow up into adults, we lose that. We want to look to our, you know, our past history or what we've done in the past to confirm what we can or can't do. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. You've already given me so much to think about and we just started. So. Okay. Oh, I love it. So I'm interested to see how this plays, um, how this idea, I, I like this idea, but how do you balance that with realistic expectations? Okay. Because, because I could say, so for example, I, I love learning languages. So here's a good one. Cause I, I, every couple of years I start picking up a new language. Um, it would be unrealistic of myself to say, Hey, I can become totally fluent in this language in like three weeks, like, and master the language level that I'm expecting. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that would be, I think based off of my past experience, maybe there are other people out there who are smart enough to, to master a language completely in three weeks. But, uh, my experience has shown that it takes me, it takes a little bit longer than three weeks to master a language. Well, the way I would answer that is the feeling of self-confidence comes from what we're thinking, a belief that we have in our mind. And that has to be a belief that is totally available to you. So your mind is already telling you, I can't do that in three weeks, but you could say, oh, I'm going to learn Thai next year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to create and do whatever I have to do to do it. Mm-hmm. If that is available, if that is a thought that feels true to you. And what does that mean? It's available or it feels true to you. Walk me through that process. Okay. Well, oftentimes I talk to people about, first of all, understanding that our feelings hundred percent are created from the thoughts we're thinking. They're not created from our surroundings or what's happening. And so that is really the foundation of all of this. And so often people say, well, Kathy, are you just telling me to find a new thought? Just find a positive thought or find a positive affirmation. Mm-hmm. And that's not it at all. It is exploring ideas and concepts and thoughts that really feel true and sit true to you. Does that make sense? Me, it does. Yeah, and I'm, sh- and and I believe there is the there is the difference that we're talking about. I just want to make sure I flesh it out so I understand it all. Okay. Uh, so, so we want to be true to these ideas, and we they're when we have those ideas, they can feel true to us, or they can feel not true. They can feel like they're being forced, or they feel like they're they're coming from like a our inner self, or however we want to say it, um, and. What would you say to somebody who says, well, what if that inner self is just based off basing those decisions off of past experience? And then we're still end up in the same circle where we're basing our desires off of our past or our confidence off of our past experience. That makes sense. Yeah. It just, it just really matters what your, what your thoughts are and your reasons are behind it. Because Mm -hmm. can you see if you're thinking I'm looking to my past, you have, it's created from a place of doubt. Uh-huh. It's coming from a place of unbelief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about it. We have to um, have belief before we can have faith. We have mm-hmm. to hold. It is a stepping. It's a process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of going back to that thought that you shared about how people normally think like you're either born with it or you're not. And that like kind of shapes the way that they behave maybe, or that they have, like they proceed through their life, you know? Right. Um, so what do you think are like the root causes of either having confidence issues, self-confidence issues, struggling with finding self-confidence, um, or maybe what are the causes of someone having really good self-confidence like why is it that this person is this Mm -hmm. way is it because they believe that they were born that way and so that's the way they're going to behave or do you think there are other things that will cause success or failure in in this realm yeah yeah. i think some of the root causes of why we don't have enough self-confidence is for sure because of we're comparing ourselves to others 
we are using what other people say or other people's experience to think we've done something wrong or we're not good Mm -hmm. enough at it. Mm -hmm. But what if failing or doing something the wrong way is really okay? That's part of the process. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we're not willing to sit in the discomfort of the process enough to let ourselves explore and learn. Yeah. So I for sure agree with that. Can yeah. I, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of that. My son, Andrew, mm-hmm. my youngest son is named Andrew. Good name. Mm-hmm. And he had, he played lacrosse his all through junior high and high school. And he was excellent. His freshman year, he was on varsity and starting by a sophomore year and his senior year, he just decided, he said, he, all of his friends were on the volleyball team. And he came to me and he's like, mom, volleyball looks really fun. I think I'm going to go play volleyball this year. And I was like, what, what are you doing? (laughs) Anyway, it was his decision. I supported him, but it's interesting to see. He had this belief. I'm going to go play volleyball. It looks fun. I'll be able to do it. And it created a whole bunch of discomfort for him because he was terrible. He thought because he was a good (laughs) athlete that he could just play volleyball and he was terrible, but he showed up. He Mm -hmm. went to games, got booted out and he allowed himself this ability to be uncomfortable and even have a little bit of pain to continue to show up and find out what he could do. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. So how do you take that pain and, and, and because I agree that this is extremely beneficial to kind of be in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, And how do you take that and not let it affect your self-confidence and like this kind of like childlike belief in your ability? Right. It all stems down to the thoughts that you're choosing to put in your mind, the thoughts you're choosing to believe. If you are telling yourself, I, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. I have no business playing volleyball. You're going to feed that completely versus Mm -hmm. just choosing. Okay. Even though this is terrible, even though I'm, you know, not good at this, I'm going to keep trying. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, how does when that you're talking with you, no, I like that. I, I think that, that you're, you're, um, the, if you can intentionally control your thoughts, you can control your behavior yeah. or you can control your behavior and you can control your emotions to like, to a degree, right? Like the, there's, um, and, and this is my, my uh, question I have is cause I have had experiences like this. And I found that I'll get in ruts where I'm having a really hard time mm-hmm. and I just need to admit that I'm having a hard time. And mm. like, okay, I'm having a hard time. This is why I'm having a hard time. These are maybe the, uh, expectations I'm putting on myself that are not being met or whatever the reason is, but I'm, I'm having that difficult experience that your son, Andrew was having, mm-hmm. uh, as he was transitioning to a new sport uh, right. and recognizing that this is hard. Uh, and because of that, I am having all this negative talk, this negative self-talk. Uh, and then sometimes I just have to have like a, a big frank discussion with Emily talking about how hard I'm, how hard, how hard of a time I'm having right now. And then I'm able to improve my self-talk after that. Mm-hmm. So well, I think one of the things that you said is really important that we have to be honest with ourselves, mm-hmm. but not to the point where you're like, I honestly believe I suck at everything. So right. I suck. So like, don't like you, negative self-talk to yourself, but like, it's, um, I think it's important mm-hmm. to like be honest and admit, Hey, I'm having a hard time. This is why this is what I'm doing about it. This is what I should do yeah. about it. Kind of. So what would but, you say, or what would you, if you're my life coach, Okay. Uh, we're <laughs> tell me something. This. Tell me something you wish you were more confident in. Um, there are several aspects of my career currently mm-hmm. that I wish I was more uh, more capable in, uh, because I had a I was going down one track a lot like your son with sports, but mm-hmm. I was going down one track professionally, and I got there. And I got to the train station, and then the Lord came in and said, Nope, you're getting on a different train. So <laughs> I switched gears a lot. And, and because of that, I feel behind the curve when it comes to things like financial jargon. Like I do a lot of stuff with working with bankers and with uh, investment guys and other entrepreneurs. 
Uh, and because my focus was primarily on politics and on uh, po- basically on politics and on Russia, uh, I feel behind the curve with that. And it, it, it gets frustrating at times. Yeah, for sure. But what I would offer to you and I'd push you on is that idea I'm behind the curve. Uh-huh. The thought that you're choosing to believe. Mm-hmm. Keep telling yeah. yourself. What I mean, what does that even mean? Like yeah. you feel behind compared to someone who would be in your spot if they didn't make the like well, a lot of it for me is I miss feeling very like hyper competent. Because in that field that I had been studying for and preparing for, I was very competent even compared to other professionals in, in that right. in that arena. And then I switch arenas and now all of a sudden I'm like your son playing volleyball. I'm like, right. I, I'm still going and I'm committed to it and I'm doing all the practices. And I'm doing all the stuff, but I recognize that I'm, it's going to take me a while to get to where I would be at mm-hmm. if I had made the choice to prepare for this career mm-hmm. when Originally. I got married. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, if I was coaching you right now, I would but no, just like, just say you're, just coach me right now. Not like we don't have to be hypothetical. Just coach me. Let's, let's do this right now. Let's do this right now. Okay. Okay. The first thing you want me to, let's go for it. Yeah, let's do it. I would ask you is I would show you that the thought I am behind my other peers is actually just a thought something somewhere in your mind that you have created and you have chosen to believe because what if you're just right on track, like exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Right. Something that, sorry, I'm like interrupting your, your um, coaching <laughs> session, <laughs> right. but like when I think of that, I always think like, this is no surprise to heavenly father. Yeah. Like this was his plan. This is his track. Yeah. So like, there's yeah. no behind, like you're right on track. Right. There is no behind. And even if, I mean, that is what life is full of. We make decisions and what keeps us stuck is when we don't move forward, we make a decision and we start moving forward. And sometimes we have to pivot and go a different direction but at least we're mm-hmm. moving forward. And I would right. say, Andrew, you're totally progressing. You're not behind. You're exactly where you should be. Good job, babe. Thanks, honey. <laughs> no, I, I really like the things you guys are both saying. Like the, like I'm not on, I'm not behind the curve or on the wrong track. I was, I am on the right track. I was just looking at the wrong track, right? I'm perceiving right. that, that the track I'm supposed to be on is different than the one I'm actually on. So, so Andrew, me, just play yeah. with me for a second. Okay. It say you were exactly where you wanted to be in your career. You were, you had chosen whatever that path is, whatever that looks like. You knew all the financial jargon. You're where you wanted to be. How would you feel? Oh, I know as soon as you started asking that, I realized like, you know what? I would actually be miserable. <laughs> I would be upset if I didn't have this other, like my experience that I gained on my previous track Yeah, because I love that stuff. And so even if I'm not using it professionally directly right now, I, I would be upset if I didn't have that. Cause I feel like, uh, I feel like if I gone the traditional route for this career path I'm on, I would feel just like everybody else. Right. I would feel like, Oh, like this is everybody. Like everybody's doing the exact same thing. They all have the exact same degrees all the exact same classes. They speak the exact same language, but because I'm, and then I would be lamenting the fact that I'm not different. Mm. See what also we would have. Go ahead. I said, um, also we would just have such a different life. Yeah. Completely differently. Yeah. And I like our life. I don't know if you like our life. I love our life. <laughs> well, this is the interesting thing about our human brain and this is kind of getting off topic, but our brain is designed to be scanning and looking for a problem. Like whatever's going on, we are naturally trying to look for something that tries needs to be fixed. And so mm-hmm. you hit that on the head when you said, okay, if I was where everybody was, I would feel uncomfortable about something else. So what if that is totally the process? Right. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. this is what I would, just... 
I would offer you, and it would take a lot longer than two minutes for sure. But right. Right, right. I'm just hypothetically saying maybe if you had arrived in your career where you wanted to be and you did have like the self-confidence that you wanted and you were doing everything, you may, you would be feeling accomplished. You'd be feeling happy. You'd be feeling satisfied. But what I would offer to you, Andrew, is that would come from you thinking, I am doing exactly how I should. It would come from a thought that is your thinking that would create that emotion. Mm-hmm. Not from your job title, not from your language or whatever you do. Mm-hmm. The feeling of any feeling that you want to desire, you can create that with a thought. Right. Mm-hmm. And and what I, I'm really liking about what you're saying is, let's see if I can convey this thought coherently, um, is that you you could find comfort and uh and validation from your confidence in the sense of like what we're talking about earlier about how like okay well i i have i've been doing the same thing for so long that i've i've gained confidence and i'm not exiting that that narrow realm in which i am confident right um and so if you do that you're not actually reaching your full potential you're not going to be truly growing uh you're just going to be continuing on the same path and you can get into a point where you are uh where you are confident in what you're doing uh, but if you can get your value and your validation from your self-confidence as opposed to your confidence even if your confidence is there then your validation is going to be truer and deeper yeah you're getting it okay all right. I'm liking this. This is good. good <laughs> I love that you're liking it. So. Um, okay. So let's kind of back up and not be so specific, but if we're talking to like a general audience of people that may be struggling with self-confidence, um, it sounds like one of the first steps is analyze your thought process and yes. like really do some thought work. Yeah. But what, what do you think would be some other, maybe like two or three other steps to growing or gaining that self-confidence self-confidence well i would think the first one for sure is you have to find a purposeful belief you have to find a thought which is what we talked about um and then you have to be willing to sit in the discomfort Mm -hmm. you know i have a friend who is 48 and she just started taking piano lessons and she's never played the piano before and it's totally uncomfortable for her but Mm -hmm. she's like i'm okay with this i am going to try something new And so that would be the second thing I would say is if you're going to try something new or find a new purposeful thought, be okay with being uncomfortable, be okay Mm -hmm. with it failing. And then the last thing I would say is you have your own back. You are your own best mentor. Truthfully, it comes from inside of you, not from what other people say. I like that a lot. Yeah. So as you were talking, I was thinking about like the trying new things thing and, um, how your friend was like 48 and starting something new. Um, but you're kind of in the same boat with like Instagram and reels and stuff. Like, what was that like for you to start doing reels? Because for me, I mean, it was hard and weird and uncomfortable. Right. But like you do them all the time and you're so good at it. Was it like, what was your process like for that? It, well, I'll tell you, it was a pretty lengthy process to do. And what it's what I call thought work, getting my mind mm-hmm. in the right place. Because I had these beliefs. I can't do Instagram. I'm too old for this. I totally, <laughs> this is, anyway, but I decided, I just kept thinking about it in my mind until I found a thought, like I was talking to you about, Andrew, that was really available. Mm-hmm. And I can't land, what I landed on was, what if this is fun? Mm-hmm. What if this is fun? It looks like you have fun. <laughs> I do have fun. I, I, I do have fun. But that, for me, it is, because this is the thing. When we have this thought, I can't do this, or I'm too old, feel discouraged, and that keeps you stuck, like what we talked about before, from making a decision of moving forward or not moving forward. Mm-hmm. Being willing to say, what's the worst thing that can happen? I can make a fool of myself and put a video on Instagram. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's okay. I, yeah. we have to learn to get our validation from ourselves and not from what other people think 
And so just deciding, okay, I'm going to do it and have fun and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I love it. Good. Yeah. And, and I, I like what we said <clears throat> at the beginning or what you said at the beginning of how we traditionally, the traditional thought regarding confidence is that people are either born with it or they are not. Right. Um, and I, I, I believe that for a long time. Oh yeah. And I, I 100% disagree with that. I think oh, I disagree with that idea. Oh yeah. That people yeah, yeah. are born with it. I thought right? you disagree with the fact that people think that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think it's, it's totally wrong because, um, and I think there might be something to the idea that certain personalities might cope better with being in that uncomfortable realm. Right. I think that there, there's probably mm-hmm. a lot to say for that. Uh, but I feel like I'm generally a confident person, but as I put myself intentionally and I do this, we've talked about this. I put myself intentionally in situations that are uncomfortable for me, right. like, especially with learning languages, that's, that's a huge one because mm-hmm. you go from being able to speak on a highly educated level in your native language. And then for me, I, I also received a degree in Russian. So in Russian, I can speak at a, a high level. And then I start trying to speak in Spanish and I sound like, like a little three-year-old trying to speak. <laughs> um, and that it, it's, it is super difficult. And I find that I have to have this, uh, pep talk or I have to find this, what did you call it, like a true idea or a true belief a thought that feels really available, that feels true to us. Right. So I, I have to fight to find this thought that feels really available to me mm-hmm. every time or every day. Like when I get ready to have my Spanish classes with my tutor, or I, I know I have to have a call with a, a businessman who speaks Spanish or anything like that. It takes a little bit of uh, like, pushing the engine to get, to kind of get it started. Right. Yeah. But think how incredible that is, because what if we really just decided that we wanted to be comfortable all the time, we would never evolve and change and grow. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as Andrew was saying that like, he is generally a confident person. I am not. And I feel like I believe that I was born that way and that it could never change for a long time, probably until I served um, my mission for the church, I, like, I remember making conscious decisions that like, I'm doing this, like this hard thing. And it was just like, so like mechanical almost. It was like, I was just pushing myself. And so then I was confident. Um, my main thought was that a lot of the times you get spouses that are not both the same in the sense of like have the same level or amount of self-confidence of natural natural personality. Yeah. Um, so how do you think we can help each other as spouses to help each other be more self-confident? Yeah. It's a great question. I, first of all, I want to say I'm a huge fan of being a cheerleader and like, sweetie, you've got this and I believe Mm -hmm. in you, (laughs) but I think it is very crucial for each of us to understand that that feeling is something that we create within ourselves. Okay. And, you know, as much as we say, oh, Andrew, you can do this. You can learn this language. You can learn this language until he believes it himself. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is don't push your spouse, just love them and accept them for the process that they're going through. Okay. And work on your own self-confidence. Work on understanding, okay, this is a skill I want to learn and develop, and I'm in charge of my own thoughts and feelings, and so are they, and it's just going to make us both stronger. Well, I think maybe understanding this process a little bit better for yourself is going to help you or give you the skills to be able to talk about it with your spouse, because while you don't want to, you need to let them kind of go through it, uh, go through the process on their own and find those thoughts that feel true to them. Right. Uh, right. If we, if we understand the vernacular and we understand the ideas, we can talk to our spouse and be like, Emily, like, what are the, like, what are the thoughts that feel true to you right now? Like, what are the yeah. things that help you feel like find that self-confidence? Mm-hmm. Um, and what are the things that are keeping, what are the thoughts that you're telling yourself that are keeping you from feeling that self-confidence? And I think that gets to my question that I want to ask you is, um, I think that the 
single best thing or the single thing that I want our, our listeners to take away from this, if they get nothing else, is how to identify those thoughts that feel true to them. So can you walk me through that? What does that look like? And how do you um, how do you coach somebody to identify those thoughts that feel true to them? Well, the first thing I do is I get really specific with somebody. So now, Emily, give me something really specific Mm -hmm. that you would like to improve. Um, Making friends. Making friends. Okay. I'm your friend. (laughs) I'm your friend now, too. Making girlfriends. Okay. Tell me that. Okay. Tell me the, tell me, can you think of a specific time or situation when you felt like you were not able to make a friend? Uh, all the time. <laughs> well, I just, I, I can't think of a specific time, but I feel like I'm really bad at having conversations. And so like, I get into this, like, okay, this is your potential friend making mm-hmm. opportunity. And then I freeze up because I don't know what to say. And so then it's just awkward. And then it just dies out. And- okay. So I love that. It's perfect. I'm not great example. at conversations. It's a perfect example. <laughs> okay. So say you are with a stranger or with somebody I don't know that you are in your neighborhood mm-hmm. or whatever, and you, yeah. your mind is like, oh, I'm not very good at making friends, which mm-hmm. then you feel awkward. Is that mm-hmm. right? And then how do you show yep. up? Awkward. <laughs> and then what is so interesting is from that thought right there, you don't make your friend. Can you see that? Right. Yeah. So what I would say is okay. what was yeah, something? Yeah, totally. Yes. So you almost are creating the truth from just your thought doesn't have anything to do with a person that you're with. It's just from that thought. I'm thinking, I'm not good at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, so sad. <laughs> yeah. So okay. then we try on a bunch of friends thoughts. <laughs> yeah, you will. Then we just try on a bunch. <laughs> we just kind of explore and dig around until we find something. Okay. Like what about, I haven't made a friend yet. I don't know. You j- this is something it's, it is for sure a process, but to me, I kind of, um, explain it. Like when you go shopping for jeans, mm-hmm. you have to, for me, I have to try on like 20 things before. And then you, when you find the right one, you're like, Oh, this is it. It's the same thing with being way, able to dig around yeah. and explore mm-hmm. your thoughts, explore what's going on in your mind. Why are, what are my beliefs around making friends? Why is this hard for me? And then once you like feel it, it clicks. Awesome. I like that. Okay. Well, I'm going to change my thought process about this then. And I'm excited to make more friends. I feel like I just, I just believed that that was such a fact that I was bad at it and that I was going to have to struggle at being bad at at it for so long. But if I just change that first thought to this could be fun, or I have a lot to talk about, or I have a lot to ask someone, then I can. Yeah. One thing I love about this line of discussion specifically is that I I think it's really in line with the whole purpose of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Like the whole purpose of, of Christ and his atonement is that Christ believed that we could change. He believed it so much that he came to earth and suffered unimaginable pain and sorrow. And he died for us so that not just so that we could be resurrected, but and not just so that we can receive forgiveness of our sins at the last day, but so Emily can improve. So Emily can receive grace mm-hmm. to make friends. Mm-hmm. So you can receive grace to improve your self-confidence. So you can receive grace to learn a language because all of that improvement is becoming more like God. So anytime you're improving in any way of, in your life, that's becoming more like God. That's right. Uh, and if you're becoming more like God, then Christ is invested in it. And if he's invested in it, he is going to help you. And when he helps you, he gives you grace. Like that's how he helps you. Mm-hmm. So I like Absolutely. that a lot. Yeah, I like that. Um, kind of backing up to the spouse thing a little bit. You said that 
well, we know now that it's like a, a personal journey. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as your spouse can be a cheerleader and encourage you, like it's all up to your brain. But is that the same with children? How can we help our children mm-hmm. now to not have, I guess, I don't know. Because we can't like force them to not have these problems as adults. But how can we maybe help or help prevent some major self-confidence issues in the future? Or now. Well, the interesting thing about that is we want to believe that we are really going to make a difference and that we can teach our children things and they're just going to learn them. And as we we say out loud, it's almost like, oh, Emily, I want you to show your kids all these snowboarding videos and then they're just going to be able to snowboard. Mm -hmm. They have to get on, get their boots on, and they have to do it and they have to fall and they have to practice and they have to learn that skill. And so I wish we could say there is a way that we could train and teach our kids that they're not going to have to experience this, but they are. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. But what I would be teaching my kids is helping them understand that they are in charge of their own emotions and their thoughts. They're going to be surrounded by people who are going to cut them down. It might be a rude girl at school or a Mm -hmm. coach, but when, if they can grow up understanding a it's okay to fail. B, it is mm-hmm. okay for me to struggle and feel any emotion and that mm-hmm. I can, I am in charge of my own emotions and my own thoughts. It's true. That's great. No, yeah. that's so great. Yeah. And kids actually are very resilient to believing new things, feeling emotions, but as they grow older, the world kind of tells them that they shouldn't be sad. They shouldn't be anxious. And if somebody's mean to them, they should be offended. I mean, they get bombarded with all of these messages. Mm -hmm. Right. It's so interesting that so much of, of the world and I think the, the adversary's approach to attacking people now is getting them to give up their the control of their own agency and the control of their own lives. Right. Right. Like you were saying, like kids especially are taught, Hey, if someone's mean to you, you should be offended. Like if someone does this, you should strike back. Right. Uh, Whereas the Lord teaches the exact opposite, right? Like everything that the Lord teaches is self-control, self-confidence. And I think the, the path of a disciple of Christ doesn't, involve a whole lot of confidence using the confidence in, in this context uh, mm-hmm. where we're just kind of staying in the realm of what's comfortable. Right. Uh, it's constantly pushing us. I, I feel like the moment that Emily and I feel um, that the Lord is telling us like, Hey, like we kind of got this, like what, everything we're doing right now, like with our callings in church or with where we're at in our podcast or our, our marriage or our raising our kids or anything like that. As soon as we have that thought, within two or three weeks, the Lord throws in some kind of change. Yeah. I think it's super intentional. Um, I don't know if you've watched The Chosen, the TV mm-hmm. the, the TV show. Yeah. Um, we love it. We, we were huge fans. Yeah. And I love that line where Christ tells Simon, like, get used to different. Yeah. Um, because that's like, that epitomizes the, uh, the gospel experiences that we're not meant to be in the realm of confidence. Uh, but if we want to be happy, we can't be outside of the realm of confidence and not have self-confidence. Like we need to have that self-confidence as validation because you can mm-hmm. find some degree of, of, of happiness if you're just staying in the confidence lane, but it won't be as true and won't be as deeply fulfilling. But if you're not in the confidence lane and you don't have self-confidence, then life's just going to suck. Like it's going to be really hard. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we need to wrap up soon, but there's one more thing that's completely unrelated that I want to talk about. Okay. And it's one of your reels. That's my favorite one. Um, You talk about yes, disease. Oh, I love um, it. And how we take on too much. So can you just talk about yes disease and yes. just talk about it for a second? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. That morning that I made that reel, my husband and I were talking about all the things we had committed to. And mm-hmm. yeah. what the interesting thing is, 
my yes disease idea is that we just say yes naturally before we even think things through. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, it's not even necessarily about being overcommitted or doing too many things because I love to serve. I love to be involved. I love to have my hands in lots of things. Mm-hmm. For me, it matters the feeling behind it, why I said yes. So for example, sometimes we say yes out of fear. Like we think we are afraid to say no. We say yes, because we think we should do it, or we feel resentment, or there's all these reasons behind our yes. And then that's when it gets to be a problem for us. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, I can think of plenty of times where I say yes. And I like, I, I know that I should do it, but I don't really yeah. want to. <laughs> so is you, so but, you, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. you finish that. Um, and I think there's, there's so many, there's a dichotomy here because a lot of people are saying like, don't say yes to anything. And then other people are like, embrace everything, never say no. So there's like, just like a pull. It's like, oh, but what's, what's the right thing to do? So I like that you're, you're not saying like, never say yes, but you're saying like, why are you saying less? Yes. Yeah. Make sure that you know your motivation and your intentions behind right. it. So my, my question or my follow-up question would be, okay, so you're in the situation, um, is your emphasis on, okay, so say no to things that you have uh, suboptimal motivations to say yes for, or do you focus on changing your motivations and then no. continue to say yes? So what I teach is that when you get asked something, just take some time and think about it and decide what are your reasons. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you get asked to do something and oftentimes we just say yes, right off the bat. I'll give you a perfect example. This doesn't even have anything to do with service. A friend texted me yesterday and said, Hey, a bunch of couples are getting together this weekend to go see the quiet place too. And I took some time to think about it, but my natural reaction is just to say, yes, sure. But then as I thought about it a little more, I'm like, I hate scary movies. I don't want to, <laughs> but so sometimes I, people would even say, well, yes, I'll go. And then they worry about it and they're bugged to, with themselves committing. And then they either find an excuse to get out of it <laughs> or, or they go and then they are miserable the whole time. <laughs> so when you can get to a more clean with yourself and clean mm-hmm. with your thinking and be like, and be totally authentic and real. And I said to her, I'm like, thanks so much for asking me, but I actually hate scary movies. The more we can be authentic and true with ourselves and with other people, it's so freeing. So mm-hmm. my main yeah, I really like that. that is figure out your reasons why. If you get asked to, you know, plan the fourth grade field trip, if you want to do it, great. Mm-hmm. You get asked to host a barbecue and you're like, no, I'm going to be mad the whole time. Then don't, but you got to figure out your reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how has this, um, discovering the yes disease, that conversation with your husband, how has that changed your family life or your marriage? Well, interesting. My husband has it even worse than I do. And he just says, yes. All the time. <laughs> um, for me, it has helped me to be more true to who I am and be more authentic and decide mm-hmm. where I really want to spend my time yeah. and my energy. Okay. So I'm interested in hearing how you determine whether or not your motivation is, is true to who you are. Mm-hmm. Cause I can think of some motivations that uh, things like duties. So you have a yeah. duty to do something um, and we don't have to pull up any specific example because there are lots of things that we have a duty to do, mm-hmm. but we might not enjoy it or we might not want, to do it. Uh, how do you go about finding that balance between like, I really don't want to do this. I don't enjoy doing this, but I, I, I believe I have a legitimate duty to do it. It's a mandatory. Yes. But I hate this. Right. <laughs> or it's an well, obliged. Yes. Yeah. My answer to all of that, Andrew, is mm-hmm. none of the stuff that you think you have to do. Do you really have to do? You really don't. I guess I'd have to think about it more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is like kind of going way to the other end, but Mm -hmm. understanding you go to work every day because you want to, you want to support your family. Right. And Mm -hmm. really coming clean with the reasons we do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let me ask kind of a, 
uh, I'm interested to hear your perspective on how this applies to Latter-day Saints specifically. Um, because, um, you know, we have a, (laughs) especially those of us who have gone through the temple and we have entered into all the covenants there. Um, you know, we have committed and covenanted to do whatever the Lord asks us to do. Right. Um, and some of that has, a lot of that has to do with things like fulfilling callings and being willing to serve in the church. Um, and, you know, as I'm asking this, I think I have the answer and I know, I think I know how to answer my question from your perspective, <laughs> but I'm, I'm still going to ask the question. Uh, so things like receiving a calling or receiving an assignment from a, a priesthood leader, mm-hmm. um, what's your approach to that with oh, keeping this whole like yes disease thing in mind? Yeah. My approach to that, for me, this is just a completely personal opinion. Uh-huh. I really want to fulfill my church responsibilities, things that I'm asked to do. It, uh-huh. it is part of who I am. And I really like my reasons. My covenants that I've made with God, I keep them because I have a desire and I love him. That is my reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you and I, I love both- it. So you and I both probably know people who do things out of duty and it builds resentment. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I yep. choose in the church, I choose to do everything that I'm asked to do because I love God and I want to show him I love him. And that's my reason. That's so yeah. perfect. Cause I was thinking about like a different perspective of this of like, okay, I'll say yes to being this primary chorister, but I hate this and I don't like music and I don't like kids or something, but that's not it at all. That's not the reason. It's like the reason, the reason is that you love God. And so you're saying yes, because that's what loving God is to you. And I, I like that. Well, and and I, I love this, this idea and this approach because what it does is it says um, it requires a deeper level of discipleship because it's it says if you're going to uh be mindful of this what did you how do you call it the yes disease or the yes mm-hmm. yes disease mm-hmm. okay the yes disease um if you truly feel that okay I, I can't say yes to this calling for example or this assignment um what i have to do is i have to f- but i i feel duty bound and i understand that i've covenanted to do whatever the lord has asked me to do uh, the answer is, isn't ne- isn't to say no, it's to approach the Lord and get myself in a place where I'm, where, where I can say yes and feel true to myself. Exactly. And, and what I love about this is that so many, there are a lot of popular Latter-day Saint bloggers and podcasters and Instagrammers who would say the opposite? They say if it's if you're not, if it doesn't feel true to yourself, you say no, which I think is I'm just gonna. This is my opinion. Uh, I think that is antithetical to the covenants you make in the temple. That's my opinion. I and I love your approach because what it does is it stays true to who you are as an individual, mm-hmm. while um, really embracing the spirit of our temple covenants. Yeah, I'm. Have to, I, I like this one a lot. I'm going to have to think about this more. Okay, and then we'll go wa- watch her reel, yes. so you know what we're really talking about. <laughs> okay, That's so funny. Well, I was making dinner and I was thinking about this podcast, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just going to make a reel real quick." I mean, literally, I make them in like five minutes, and then done. Yeah, uh-huh. you're so, so fast. I get so nervous to make them still that I'm like thinking about it all day. Like what, what, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, any other questions for me? Um, I don't think so. Just, um, I've really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you so much. And I've learned a lot. Um, where can our listeners find you? They can go to my website, kathymoffitt.com. Or like you said, I am pretty active on Instagram, not as active as Mm -hmm. some, but um, my Instagram is Kathy Moffat Coaching. Okay, we'll put those in the show notes too. Okay, I love it. Okay, well, thank Ka- you Kathy, so thank you so much for uh, for this awesome 
conversation. Uh, and thank you for being patient with me as I threw out my questions. I know sometimes, sometimes we get people who come on and they think that it's just going to be a lot of softball questions and they're not going to be kind of. Mine are softball questions. Andrew likes to pick everyone apart. I love it. Well, so. I, I, I think there are a lot of people who come up, uh, who say their life coaches or come up with their, their approach. Um, and they have one good idea that doesn't actually work in all situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I approach mo- most of these conversations. I think we all should do this when we, when we come into contact with new ideas, we should, we should be very suspicious, right? I, I like Thomas Jefferson and the idea that we're supposed to question everything with boldness. Mm-hmm. And that's my approach. And I know that that, uh, irks some people. And so I, I'm glad that you, you did very well and you've convinced me. I, I am now, uh, and I'm not I'm, here to convince you at all. I'm just here to offer ideas and suggestions and things I've learned. Well, I'm now well, an, we've learned an advocate. I, 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 I like this idea and I, I know I'm going to take the, a lot of these ideas and kind of apply them into my life. Speaking of which mm-hmm. your takeaway, hun, your main takeaway. Oh, my main takeaway is that I just need to be more aware of my original thoughts, um, specifically with friends, just that like, I can, I can make a friend. (laughs) I can make a friend (laughs) and I can be good at it and it doesn't have to be awkward. And I just have to like change those original thoughts. Yeah. I think mine, the one I love the most, the takeaway I love the most, uh, is probably the thing we just talked about just recently Mm -hmm. about callings, Mm -hmm. uh, and about just in general, uh, when we're asked to do things that we feel obliged to do, especially if we have made uh, covenants with lords to do those things, if we feel discontented with that, and then we feel if that if we and we feel like saying yes would be, not be true to ourselves, the solution is not to say no. The solution is to approach God and have Him change us and rely on our love for Him and our covenants and and get to a place where we can say yes and it be true to ourselves because i think that's probably the point of him asking us right like the point of him asking us to do those things is for us to go through that process like he doesn't want us to just say yes and then not change he wants us to say yes and then change and we get to a place where we love doing whatever he's asking us to do man okay. all right hey thank you so much kathy hey, you're welcome all right guys we love bye. you keep the faith bye